We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, Hellions? I am Cameron. I'm Willie. And this is The Other Side of Hell. A podcast. Yeah, we are a podcast. We are a podcast and a YouTube show and friends. Well, welcome to the show, Willie. How are you? I'm really well. Yeah? Yeah. It's been a sec. Yeah. Every week. Every, every other week, week. Every other week. Oh, man. You know, the thing is, like, you know, I've had some people reach out and they're like, oh, man, where's the show? Mm. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that made me feel pretty good. But it, it does seem like a, a jaunt in between shoots. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, t- truth be told, like we're, we're sort of playing catch up, which is one of the reasons why we we went to that format. Yeah. So we haven't actually had a significant time away just yet. Right. But it does feel like there's there's a lot of uh, time in between shows. Yeah. That's what I mean. When like we drop an episode. I'm on it every Friday. It's crazy. Yeah. And listen, if thank you're you one for of those supporting people, us. We're, we're, we'll be back. Yeah. It's, it's only temporary. And, yeah. and thank you for supporting us. We're glad that you're that big a fan. <laughs> yeah. And I've had a lot of people reach out and say that they're really excited to see, you know, what, what's happening. Yeah. New studio. What is happening? Stuff. Yeah. Well, with the new studio space, we've had some run-ins with, uh, uh, the glass company, the the storefront, you know, if, if you're in any type of building industry right now, you'll understand there's a massive, crazy supply shortage that has just pushed everything back. I don't know how much that's due to excuses and how much that's due to actual problems, but, um, you know, we keep getting pushed back on our storefront glass for the building, which keeps us from being able to do a final inspection, which keeps us from being able to move into our space and start to build. So, you know, one thing leads to another for right now. We'll just keep it in the old studio with the old, the old trusty. Yeah, we do here. pretty well in here. Over here. And I think we do okay. Set up and, and stuff. So there's, there's that. If you know any more announcements? No, uh, I do have an announcement. We have a really awesome war story yes, we today do. From, uh, from Crystal. Crystal was fun. Yeah, you got to talk to Crystal. You got her story, and she uh, she she really laid it out there. Yeah, she she got real vulnerable and was pretty honest about a lot of stuff. I'm excited to share it with you. I uh, I I found Crystal through another live that she did with somebody that supports the show, a friend of ours. An Instagram live. Uh, uh, Instagram live, yeah. Um, you know Haley from Recovering Baddie. Uh, Recovery baddie not yeah. recovering baddie but she's a friend of ours she did the show and so uh, i saw her and crystal having a good time i thought me and crystal could have a good time and, and you and crystal could have a good time so a uh, great story we got a pretty good topic out of it, it was fun. yeah i think so too uh, um you know i we hear us said all the time that uh that we have a thinking problem i thought and, i had a drinking problem yeah well you know, <laughs> is it a drinking problem or is it a thinking problem? Right. And that's, and that's what I want to talk to, you know, today about, like, I don't know if we've ever actually, um, come out and, and talked about it in that, in that sort of way. So, yeah. 
Um, that's a that's a great question. Yeah, Willie, maybe you can tell I me thought... like what are your like what was your uh, what was your journey with this idea that what we actually wow. have is a thinking problem. It was it was hard to graft onto a closed mind. You know, I so badly wanted the substance to be my problem. Right. Yeah. I, I wanted to be pretty solid in my thinking. I didn't want to, I never, I never wanted to be crazy or unstable. Right. Like I wanted, oh. I, I wanted to just get the drink out of my life and be okay. Or, or, or even more importantly, what I wanted was to learn how to, how to drink successfully. I, I wanted to use and drink like a gentleman. Right. And, and, and uh, fuck, God knows I tried. God knows that I tried and I tried. And, and when I look back at uh, the amount of uh, recovery and relapses that I had in my life, the, the, the four days sober here, starting to feel good to take a drink there to another stint in jail. You know, I'm not going to do it again this time to like all of a sudden it seems like a good idea. When I start stacking it up now, obviously there was a problem with the way that I thought, but I just, I didn't see it that way. And I needed some clarity in uh, some room, you know, around people that have the same problem I do, but I didn't really, I didn't really connect with the thinking problem right off the bat. Yeah. It took me a while. Did you hear it said before you were able to accept it? For probably, yourself? probably. Yeah. I probably heard it a lot. Yeah. Probably heard it a lot, but. Yeah, I think so too. And I, as I think about my own sort of journey with it, I think, um, I remember when people would say that, I'd be like, what do you, what do you mean? Like a thinking problem? Like, what is that? Like, what's wrong with my thinking? You know, like I didn't, I didn't really get it. And then (laughs) we were talking a little bit before the show and it's like, like, is there, is there one moment that really sort of cemented that for you? Because for me, like one of the biggest, (laughs) one of the biggest moments for me was like, I'm in rehab for drugs and alcohol in my, in my case, it was pain pills. Yeah. Specifically, specifically pain pills and, and alcohol. Yeah. And you know, three weeks into rehab, I get my pain pill prescription filled and I help somebody move a couch and all of a sudden I get like a twinge of something in my back. Yeah. And so I take a pain pill and then I take like six more pain pills. And then I didn't understand why the next day, like in treatment, when I told everybody like, but you guys don't under, I was in pain. <laughs> right. Like what, what was I going to do? You know? And like, Cameron, you're in rehab for pain pills. And you took seven pain pills yesterday. You know, like I had to really have yeah. it broken yeah. down like that, where it was like, listen, dude, you're in rehab. Do you think you might have a thinking problem? Because you seem to think that you're okay, <laughs> but you're in rehab um, for pain pills. For pain pills. <laughs> And that really was a moment for me where it was like, oh God, like I got no idea, you know, yeah. um, that definitely wasn't the end of, of my using journey, Yeah. but it was the first indication that I might not think about this the same way that others do. Right. For you, did you have a moment like that? Yeah. And, and it was kind of, it was, it was 
really, I, I, I think it was probably the last time I used, which was, uh, December 17th, 2011. And well, uh, that was my last high. And it was kind of that same thing because what had happened was somebody came into town that I hadn't seen for a while. We, we connected on Facebook. Avery was still in jail at night. Uh, and I was living in a camper and I was on probation. I wasn't supposed to be getting high. I wasn't supposed to be drinking. This friend came into town. We were talking about it and she had a bunch of Xanax, right? And, and she went to the bathroom and I stole a bunch of Xanax out of her purse and then proceeded to act normally. And then, uh, she left later. I've never seen her since or talked to her, but sure she noticed some pills were missing i don't know but um uh for the next day or two i just ate all these xanax and as as if i was a free man and i just went into this fucking comatose state Mm. for a few days Mm -hmm. uh and and i came out of it and i'm like what in the actual fuck am i doing yeah i just did five months in jail i'm fucking working with a sponsor i'm I'm on probation. I, I say I want to be sober. What in the actual fuck is wrong with me? I don't even want to use anymore. Mm. And it was, it, it was kind of in that moment. I'm like, I don't fucking see the world. Right. I don't see myself. Right. I don't, there is something wrong with me yeah. beyond, uh, the physical craving was gone. The, uh, the desire to ruin my life was gone and I still used anyway. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear that I just don't think correctly and I need help. Mm-hmm. I need some outside help. Yeah. Well, and it's good that you were able to at least come to that conclusion where it was like, not only do I not think correctly, but I also need help. I need yeah. intervention from, from an outside resource. Yeah. Myself. And, yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing is like, what, I mean, what's the saying, right? Like we have all heard that saying, like we can't fix the problem with the same thinking that created the problem. Right. right. Um, which I think is a variation of, uh, of an Einstein quote. Um, but, and he was kind of a smart dude. They say. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that's, 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 that's what I have found to be true. I was always constantly like trying to like think like, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I went a little <laughs> bit overboard last night. I probably shouldn't have said that to that person. What I'll do today is I'll actually try not to get fucked up. I wasn't even trying yesterday. Yeah. Like today I'll actually try to limit myself. Yeah. And I, I feel like that was always my thing is like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I couldn't get, I couldn't stay sober, but I wasn't even trying not to stay sober. Yeah. You know. My intention last Friday was to go get fucked up right. today. Yeah, exactly. Today it was Friday. I'll take. I'll take. A, I'll actually take it seriously, and I won't do it. All I have to do is get from my house to work, and I'll be fine. I, I'll, I won't even drink at lunch. I won't even want to drink at lunch. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> like, and, and it's funny. You know, I can laugh now because yeah. I have a lot of insanity behind me, and yeah. I can see. I can see the uh, the the humor in it, the insane thinking, and how ridiculous it is. But when I'm in that, I'm dead fucking serious about getting from my house to my job without stopping for a beer, and getting from my job to my to the end of the day. I, 
because it's fine if you can make it all day yeah to the end of the day and have a beer because then i've earned it but if i have a beer at lunch i've only half earned it but then it's probably okay as long as i only have one beer but i'm incapable of having only one beer yeah but today i'm going to be capable of having one beer and this is my thinking right 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 shit, yeah right? like i'm mm-hmm. and 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 what I came to find out uh, through all this stuff is like normal people don't think like that. That doesn't even cross their mind. People that are non-alcoholic or people that aren't trying to get sober don't seem to fucking consider these stopping points and these these places where it's going to be okay or how I'm going to change my patterns or my ha- my habits or behaviors in order to accommodate everybody else so that I'm not drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like Like... And and it is. It's all in my thinking. It's right. all in my thinking, and and it gets deep, right? It gets deep in how I built that thinking pattern, where it came from, when it started, as as young as you know, a teenager, of trying to control my using and drinking, um, and and where I I finally started crossing lines that I didn't want to cross, but I did. Where did that come from, mm-hmm. right? Where where did I finally make it okay to start doing hard drugs? even though at a deep level I didn't want to. And, and we start backing it all the way up through a process of work. I found that at a very young age, I learned to not trust my inner voice, right? I learned that I, I couldn't trust my conscience. I couldn't trust this thing because I had outside influences from neighborhood kids that made criminal activity look fun and accepted, right? Accepting, like I, if I if I could get into fights and I could win fights and I could steal stuff and I could hide things and I could sneak beers and, and all those things, there was a level of acceptance that came along with that in the neighborhood I grew up in. And I wanted acceptance and love. Um, when I would do those things, I had this feeling inside of my gut that didn't feel right. Yeah. Okay. But when I take that and I, and I put it with the questions that I asked as a child, like, is dad okay when he wasn't? You know, are my parents okay when they weren't, when they were going through financial hardships or in between jobs or my brother or sisters were getting in trouble, you know? And I would ask, like, is dad okay? And my mom would be like, yeah, your dad's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Because they didn't want to put, they didn't want to put adult problems on a child. I could still feel the energy in the air. And and I go, okay, well, if my dad's fine, then it must be me because I trust this person to be honest with me. So then I'm feeling the world fucked up and, and, and it mm. create, it created this distrust inside of myself. And it wasn't like, wasn't like the people like my teachers and everybody were like, let's fuck this kid up. Let's just, it was all from yeah, well everybody, into, everybody had good intentions. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so you, you put all that together and you process through all that stuff through a few years of sobriety. We can go through and we can see, okay, yeah, that's why my thinking was fucked up. I didn't trust myself. And so when I went in to do hard drugs for the first time and I had a, a, a moment of spiritual clarity where I thought I probably shouldn't do this, I pushed that away and I did it anyway. And then I was accepted and loved by the crowd that I was around and that felt good. And so I wanted to keep feeling good and the drugs themselves felt good mm-hmm. and I liked that. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm going to just do this every weekend. You know, I thought, fuck how bad could this get? I'm, right. I'm not going to be like one of those fucking crazy addicts that just ruin their entire lives on this. 
I'm going to control it. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be able to sell it and just party and maintain. And, and I believed all the fucking lies that came along with that. And, and I, I couldn't. Right. And then mm-hmm. and then that lie changes to a different lie and, and my thinking becomes completely obscure and I end up in the place where I was, just fucking desperate, broken and, and gone, you know, oblivion was the only choice. And where had I gone wrong in life? Right? Mm-hmm. Fucking in my thirties, mm-hmm. living in a camper, fuck don't have nothing. And the question comes up like, Well, oh, do you think that maybe there's something wrong with the way you think and the way you see yourself right, and the world right, right. around you and and it's it's quite the process to figure that out but once we do mm-hmm. we can start kind of paying attention to it well yeah and and that's the thing too is is being able to pay attention to it is um, a way to disrupt the thinking and hopefully um, sort of enter into a new way of thinking yeah um, as you were talking I was thinking about the sort of the escalation that takes place um, and the evolution of those those negative thoughts so it's like or or just maybe those those thoughts about using right it's like it went for me it went from like okay like uh you know like I'm, I'm okay to do this every once in a while like i can drink and party every once in a while you know and then it was like uh well this seems to be what everybody else is doing every weekend so i'll do it too and then and then eventually it was like, well, why not like do it every, like, you know, I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a wife. Like I, you know, I, I, I don't have a family. I don't have anybody to be truly concerned about me. So like, why, why not just do it every day? And then what I found was that even though, you know, there was like this, why not attitude about it? There came these points where I would not want to do it, where I would be like, okay, I do have this going on today, so I probably should shouldn't drink or drug. Like um, I should probably be sober for that, and then I would get fucked up anyways, you <laughs> know. And then it was like, whoa, what was what was that about? I mean, I guess it was okay. Like, and then I'm drinking to like just sort of forget about that moment with it, right? Um, and and so on and so it goes. And then before I know it, I'm like you said, you know, to where I'm like how can, how can this be my life? Like, you know, I never, I never thought that I, that this would take me to where it has. And now I really don't know what to do about it, you know? Um, so I had to get some help, but, but even then, you know, like it did, it took some time for me to truly see that it was my thinking that was the issue that it was, um, you know, that negative thought because I was just so used to like, having this thought about using and using, you know, um, and having this thought about a drink and then drinking. Um, so to go from that to having this thought about drinking and then, well, wait a minute, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, and then all the turmoil that would come with that of like, wait a minute, why, why can't I do that anymore? Oh yeah. There's a bunch of consequences. Like you had this and this and this and this, and it's like, yeah, but like, (laughs) I mean, sure, all that stuff happened, but, yeah. but tell me why I can't, you know, like, why, why can't I do that again? And just, you know, having to navigate that whole territory. And what I learned is that I, I was in no position to try and navigate that by myself right. because I would always, always, always find 
um, a way to yeah, but myself into the next dream. Yeah. Um, and so, so anyways, I guess the point is that my thinking was so much of a problem that I had to just turn it over. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of the conclusion that I was able to come to is like, okay, uh, I have all these people around me cause now I'm in a program of alcohol, like recovery. Right. Um, I have all these people around me who have suffered the way that I have and are giving me suggestions on what to do. Yeah. Maybe I should pay attention and maybe I should take their suggestions. Um, because at some point I was able to clearly see that my thinking was not going to get me the results that I thought it would. <laughs> right. Yeah. And being, I mean, being around people, they're, they're sharing, right? And we have these aha moments while they're sharing of things that we're going through that we hadn't really processed or thought about, right? So when we put ourselves in a place where, whether it's where, where, where people are sharing openly about their thinking problems that are, you know, parallel with their drinking problems or using problems, uh, whether it's on Instagram or, or you know, uh, in-person recovery place like aftercare, drug court, uh, uh, 12-step meeting, you know, whatever that is, and we're listening to people talk, if we're there, there's these aha moments where we're like, fuck, I, I identify with that. Mm -hmm. And then it grabs our attention. And now, now all of a sudden, because it becomes personal for us, it, we're, we're really focused in on what they're saying. And usually what will end up happening is they'll identify a problem that I have, and then they'll proceed to talk about the solution they used for that problem and where they're at today. You know, one of the things that ended up happening and it continues to happen to this day is that I will go through moments where uh, I will still have strong desires to do the wrong thing mm -hmm. or, or I guess not the wrong thing. Like like things that I know are not in my best interest. It's hard to say what's right and wrong, but, um, you know, things that that I've not wanted to do, you know, drinking still comes up for me, but I recognize because of the work that that I've done that um, it's very short lived. I understand completely that that is a skew thought mm -hmm, that it's mm -hmm. a, that it's a broken thinking part of my life uh, for me to want to destroy my life and go back to something that fucking makes me miserable is an insane thought. And so there's, we get to practice these things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, because that's what my brain is repetitive. It's just, right. It just right. keeps fucking bringing up the same fucking thing. And so when people are like, how long are you going to go to these meetings? I guess I'm, my answer is I'm going to go until that I, I don't know. I'm as gonna, long as it works. As, yeah, long, yeah. as long as it's still working. I have mm -hmm. no answer. I have no, I have no uh, intention of ever quitting recovery. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, uh, the thinking part of it is is cool because not only can I uh, have that broken thinking and once I realize I have that broken thinking, I can start learning how to change the way that I think about things. And what did uh, Wayne Dyer say one time? You know, the, when I change the way I think about things, the things I think about change, right? And, and so 
uh, I can go in and I can start instead of looking at alcohol as a solution uh, like I used to think of right, alcohol. Right. Mm-hmm. I can start thinking of alcohol as a very big problem, not only for me, but the world around me. And not only can I start thinking about, uh, you know, when when I had no self-worth and I had low self-esteem and I had all these negative opinions about myself, I can process through actions that have given me self-esteem and I can start to think about how I'm winning in life versus how I'm losing in life. And, and all those things change the way that I think about myself and the world around me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we really can start working on um, the way that we think and the things that we think about by the stuff that we feed our mind, mm-hmm. right? And people that, people that we hang out with. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you saying that because what it reminds me is that a diet is so much more than like what, what my, what I'm actually like taking into my body, like food wise. Like I always have to think about like, what am I, what am I consuming on a daily basis? Um, and is it positive? Is it healthy? Is it good? Because just like bad food will make my, my physical health bad, bad energy or bad mojo or bad bad media. Yeah. Bad media. I mean, any, any negative, um, any negative content that I consume will also has a way to influence my thoughts, the way I think about myself, which is why it's critical for me anyways, to stay plugged into people that know how I feel that kind of struggle with the same things that I do that have suggestions and solutions that I probably am not going to think about on my own. Yeah. And, um, and that I be open-minded to, to receive a new idea, um, without, you know, being critical, critical of it. Yeah. Um, because my thinking is so broken that it will <laughs> disregard like you, uh, like, like any suggestion given to me will always be met with like, well, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I want to feel better, but I don't want to have to do that. I mean, it was just like, it was just like AA, right? It was just like, uh, even just regular old recovery, like in treatment, getting sober. It's like, well, I don't want to drink anymore, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to do everything (laughs) you're telling me to do, you know? And so there's always going to be this, this thing about my thinking that will tell me that. And today I'm able to recognize that. And I think that that's the key is like, the more I'm able to recognize it, the more I'm able to just sort of laugh at it and accept it and, and know that it's not necessarily running the show. Like -hmm. it's a part of me. And one of the things that I heard, I think it was, I can't remember her name. She's the author of eat, pray, love. Um, and she was on a podcast I was listening to and she was talking about fear. And I think that while this works for fear, it works for, just about everything because maybe that's a lot of what our thinking problem is, is just fear. Right. Um, but she basically said, whenever fear comes into the car, I say, okay, fear, I see you there. Go ahead and have a seat. Like you don't get to drive today, but you can be there. (laughs) Okay. And it's like, I love that analogy because it's like, I accept that you're there. I'm not going to judge myself or be critical about the fact that you've showed up. I'm not going to be angry about it. I'm not going to wallow in self-pity. I'm just going to accept the fact that you're there, but I'm not going to let you drive, you know? 
Um, and I think that that's kind of where I get to with some of this negative thinking. Like I still have these negative thoughts come in. I still have the voice of the addict, um, that will, you know, try and convince me that things are bad enough for me to engage in that negative behavior or that I'm not good enough or that I'm not, you know, able to do the things that I've been tasked to do. Um, and I can, in that moment, I can choose to believe it and then engage in that negative behavior that it has convinced me will surely make me feel better. Or I can understand that that is a part of what I am inflicted with, right? The thinking problem that I have and accept that it's there and move on. Um, which, you know, like sometimes, honestly, like sometimes I'm better at it than others. Like yeah. sometimes I can navigate that very, very well. And sometimes like it'll get me. Um, and, and I think that what I've noticed in my own story is that it seems to be like, I am a, a, I am a better defense against that sort of thinking. And I seem to navigate that situation, um, with ease or easier, I should say, um, when I am connected to other people who know how that feels. Yeah. Um, the minute I start isolating or the minute I start even ingesting some of that negative, that negative content, some of that negative behavior, like those thoughts creep in and I'm just not as defensive about it. Kind of let the guard down a little bit and it starts to consume me a little more. And I start believing some of that stuff. And then once I start believing it, I start believing that the solution is, is maybe a good idea. Yeah. You know, the solution is that negative behavior. Um, and, uh, and that's why it's so important for me to, to stay plugged in. It will reel me back in and remind me that like, that's not the solution. Like this is the solution. You gotta, you gotta stay talking to us. Yeah. Yeah. When you're sharing, don't go dark. When you're sharing, I, that's what I was just thinking about is that those dark spaces. That's so crazy. Like we go into, I'll, I'll go into these, these places where, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like, I, I'm sorry, you guys, but recovery is pretty mundane, if you will. Right. Like life in general is pretty much the same thing today as it fucking was yesterday. And, and, uh, it was that way using too, but you know, you, as, as a fucking, um, as a, as a responsible adult, uh, we start our, our day the night before <laughs> yeah. by going to bed, mm -hmm. we get up as soon as my eyes open, there's Mr. Resistance or the bitch or the critic fucking right on time every morning, either telling me to be afraid tell telling me to fucking not do anything or telling me I'm a piece of shit and I'm like okay we get up we do our routine we go to work we eat we pray we talk to addicts and alcoholics we go to meetings we go to bed the next morning we wake up there's the critic or the fucking mystery resistance or whatever again and again mm -hmm. and again mm -hmm. and again and what ends up happening for me is, is that I, somewhere in that place, I start to think I deserve something like I need a break. Sure. I okay. need yeah. a vacation. I need something just for me because I've 
done the same fucking thing for the last four days in a row. And, and it starts as a very subtle thought. Something, very innocent too. Something right? feels like it's missing. Yeah. I'm missing something. And, and I end up going into that place that you're talking about where I'm dark. I start disconnecting from people. I start isolating. I start keeping my thoughts to myself. I start becoming bitter and resentful. I start finding reasons to be angry. I start being judgmental. Um, and then, and then, the idea that something from outside of me can fix whatever I'm feeling inside of me pops up and it's an emotional and a, and a thought like balancing act of the way that I feel and the way that I think. And it's so wild that I can convince myself that something that brings me so much misery is going to work this time. And this is in sobriety, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's important to remember that when I was using and drinking, every day was the same then too, right? It just really did bring me closer to death. And so starting and in, in developing uh, well-rounded and positive habits in sobriety is super important. Do your fucking gratitude list anyway. Because at the end of 30 days, you're going to be grateful that you did that every day for 30 days, you know, mm-hmm. go to the gym anyways. Uh, most of the time we're not going to feel like doing this. Stuff. Right. Like there's that fucking resistance inside of us. Like you were talking about, I don't want to do that. I want to take a fucking pill and be happy. Like I used to, right? Like it used to fucking work. Right. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it left me empty and dying inside. And, uh, being on this side of the table with, some program behind us. Uh, I found that it really is the work and the consistency in that work, the honest uh, conversations and relationships, the vulnerability and the healing that has brought me a life worth living, Mm -hmm. that that has brought me purpose and fulfillment in my life, even if it is fucking moment to moment. It is still more fulfilling than taking a pill and fucking checking out for a little while. Um, There's... I don't know. There seems to be common uh, struggles within the recovery and humanity right. in general. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Just these, these, these fears, especially it seems like now with different pandemics and none of us trust the news or we all, you, you know, like, mm-hmm. like there's just so much different information coming at us from so many different angles. It's so important that we experiment with ourselves and our own spirituality and, uh, gain those insights from other people like what worked for you you're talking about a problem that i identify with what worked for you and then and then we can hear it from another person from a different perspective you know that they had the same experience with that negative thinking and they did something different and that worked for them and we can try these things on our own you know a walk in the forest or a vacation in a city like like different things work for different people but it's important for us to find these things that work for us and continue to experiment because Mm -hmm. if we go back to the thing that fucking kills us, we don't stand a chance. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's funny too, because there, there is that thinking every once in a while where things do get mundane and, and things, um, you start, you start letting that, uh, that negative voice or the voice of resistance or the bitch or whatever you want to call it (laughs) sort of 
convince you that you deserve something. Yeah. I really like the way you said that because that's exactly how it goes, right? Like you, you deserve, you deserve to, to just put your feet up and, and relax a little bit. And Hey, I got a really good, I got a really good way to do that. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that, uh, the, the key for me is like to sort of anticipate that, know that it's going to happen. And when it happens, be like, yeah, well maybe I do deserve, I'm not going to do what you're saying I should do. Like, I'm not going to do the easy thing. Um, what I'm going to do is, is go for a walk or like you said, call somebody or, um, take a little, take a staycation, you know, um, something, something along those lines. But, but you know, it's just, it just speaks to the cunning, baffling nature of this thing. You know, it yeah. will always sort of, uh, come back and try to get me in one way or another. And, and while that can really be a, a point of fear for me, um, or I could just choose to sort of just always be afraid of the disease. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid of it because I expect that thinking to creep in. Like what I do is just anticipate and sort of accept right and and know that it's all a part of this thing yeah Um, and it comes and goes yeah it does come and go and I think it's important also to touch on the fact that you know as as many negative and scary and uncertain thoughts pop in after some time we start having some fucking really correct thoughts as well right you know um Mm -hmm. when you know a lot of times when we're hit with those cravings or those desires we do the right fucking thought. We yeah. do have the right thought and we mm-hmm. do make the right choice. You know, we do get up and go to the gym anyway. We do pick up that thousand pound phone and call our friends or sponsors. We do put pen to paper. We do reach out. We do pray and meditate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of times, uh, depending on how well we're working our spiritual program, we will automatically have Mr. Resistance show up and we'll have the the strength and the the guidance or whatever you want to call it to go like you said i see that you're here we're gonna go anyway right yeah, yeah. i see that you're here and we're gonna call anyway right you know, thanks for showing up good to see you i know that you're connected to me like my skin <laughs> but not today but uh i'm just gonna go ahead and do what works for me today because i remember who you are and if you know, and and I've I've yelled at my I've yelled at my disease, like literally. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard you. <laughs> Fuck you, mm-hmm. motherfucker! Leave me alone. You know, uh, I've I've like accepted it and I fought it. Uh, I do think that it's going to be there forever. I am, like you said, I'm not nearly as afraid as I used to be because I have a lot of evidence that shows me that after this much time. I can have correct thinking. Mm-hmm. I can make correct choices. I can continue to be successful and count my wins and be respectful of myself. And, and that's something that I didn't have before, but I do have now. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the things that I also like to do is, uh, I don't know, like a lot of times when I'm in a negative space, my head will say, I always feel this way. There's this word in there that's always, right? Um, it's so weird that I get there and I have a loved one that's going through that right now. He's in, in a deep state of depression and we're talking a lot and he's like, you know, I just, I always feel sick. I always feel scared. I always feel, and, and it's important to take moments throughout my day 
where uh, when I'm in that when I'm in that fucked up space to go right now for this 35 seconds or whatever I didn't feel scared mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so the lie that I always, always feel that yeah. way is is a just that it's a fucking lie mm-hmm. and and I have to talk myself out of it and, and remind myself that I'm not always in this negative space I'm not always feeling low self-esteem I'm not always tired I am right now mm-hmm. and this will pass. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that is, a, that's a form of thinking that I had to um, like build. I had to build that form of thinking because at one time it was always, I think that was in the power of now, actually the, the Edgar Tolley talks about uh, bad things always happen to me. You know, he was saying bad things always happen to me. And when he was in that space, bad things always fucking happen to him. Yeah, because if you if you constantly just tell yourself that you know you always feel a certain way or bad things always happen, yeah. like bad things will certainly always happen. Yeah. Or you will or you will view everything as bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh fucking yeah, of course of course this happened. It's bad. And so it's really important to really evaluate what's going on in my own life. Like, is it always? No. It's never always. It's never been always. It will never be always. It's always just right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, well, and like that's I feel definitely that way something. Right yeah. You can get from, from that book specifically. is just this idea of that. This is what's happening now. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, that's why it's called the power of now. Um, another, actually, you know, the power of now is something that, uh, that crystal talks about in her book. Yeah. She talks about, um, you know, other resources that she's really turned to in order to help her with her thinking. Um, and I think that that's, you know, an important element to this is that there is so much like we, again, like it comes back to the diet, right? Like if I'm feeding my mind healthy things, then I'll get a healthy outcome. And so when I'm feeding my mind, like books, like the power of now or an untethered soul, um, or some of these others that we know about, like, I'm more apt to be able to navigate all that in a way that's not, you know, me burning my life to the ground, you know, and hopefully growing from, from those instances. And so, um, yeah, just, just real good stuff, dude. Like I, a thinking problem is for sure something that I identify with. I still, to this day, I'm not shy about, I don't know. I have moments with people that I work with where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have said that because it's like a little insight into the way I'm thinking sometimes. Like sometimes I'll run into people at work and they're like, oh, dude, how have you been? Like, I haven't seen you for a minute. And I'm like, oh, man, I feel like I've been doing a lot of head running lately. Like my, <laughs> my mind will just tell me that I'm not even good enough to be here. Today. <laughs> you know, and they're like, and they're, look at y'all like, why would you tell me that? Yeah. Like, aren't you just supposed to say that you're fine? <laughs> You know, uh, but, but I mean, and that's the truth. Like that's, you know, yeah. like the, it, that's, that's, that's the nature of, of who I am and it's okay. You yeah. Know? Um, but good stuff, man. I really yeah. want to, uh, to get into, uh, Crystal's war story. Yeah. Crystal was great. She's got a pretty good one. Um, yeah. and I think that everybody will get a lot out of it. So yeah. what do you think? I think, I think you'll hear why we got this topic out of it and it's been fun been a lot of fun yeah so without further ado this is crystal's this week's war story is brought to you by brainwash coffee 
Brainwash Coffee is damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which is why Brainwash Coffee is the perfect partner for us here at the other side of the valley. With blends like Higher Powder and Ego Ain't Your Amigo, Brainwash Coffee has your back no matter what your poison. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee order when you use promo code OTHERSIDE at brainwashcoffeeco.com. Clean your bean with Brainwashed. And without further ado, here is this week's War Story. Hi, guys. First of all, I want to say thank you, Will, Cam, at the podcast for inviting me. I am humbled and honored to be here. So thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Crystal. I'm an alcoholic addict. Um, I just made a year on April 28th last month. And so I have graduated from being a baby to being a teenager. Um, And uh, I started off my using kind of early on. Um, I was probably in seventh grade with the alcohol started. And then when I was 14, um, an ex-boyfriend and his group of friends, uh, they used to do crystal methamphetamine. I'm from Hawaii. Um, I live in Vegas now. Sorry, I skipped that part. And um, in Hawaii, crystal methamphetamine is a very big issue. Um, And I, once I tried it, I was hooked. Um, So from age 14 to age 18. Um, And growing up, I grew up in a pretty tumultuous household. My parents had been divorced and remarried to each other five times, um, as crazy as that sounds, to each other. Um, So growing up, it was a lot of chaos, a lot of arguing, a lot of screaming, um, some violence. And um, I grew up with my dad, daddy's little princess. My dad had money and my mom, I had visitations with her and she lived in lower income places um, with my sister and my brothers who are my half siblings, but my siblings. Um, And so I grew up on both sides of the spectrum. I went to a private school um, with, when I lived with my dad and my grandma, it was Asian, strict, academic. Um, And then when I had visitations with my mom, it was the opposite of that. Um, And so it kind of, I kind of grew up not fitting in anywhere, but fitting in everywhere. So I fit in with multiple groups of people, but I, I always felt like I didn't belong because I didn't really have, I didn't really know who I was because I was growing up different ways. Um, and my brothers were in and out of jail. They were and are alcoholics and addicts. Um, I lost one brother early on to a drunk driver. Um, and I lost another brother in my twenties um, to a drug overdose. Um, he was in Hawaii, it was crystal methamphetamine and a bunch of other things. Um, and even then having those things, I still trudge down the road as an alcoholic and as an addict. Um, so um, I, when I turned 18, my dad was like, you are either going to get clean or I'm done with you. And at that time, I'd already been kicked out of my private school twice. I'd stolen thousands of dollars from him, been held at gunpoint, um, a bunch of crazy shit. And I knew when I was 18, I was choosing life or death with the people that I was rolling around with. I, I knew I was either going to be a prostitute or I was going to end up in a ditch shortly after something like that. Um, that was just the life that was being lived. And so I went to drug court. I got clean off of ice 
And um, they told me that you can never drink again. And I was like, I'm 18. What do you mean? I'm never going to drink again. That's ridiculous. So um, I just continued on my adult life uh, drinking all the time. I was I worked in the nightclub industry since I was 21. Um, shortly then I moved to Vegas and I started working at the nightclubs out here. And um, a lot of the people, I would venture to say, majority of people that I've worked with um, for the last 15 years are alcoholics. Um, and that's just the lifestyle that we were living in. Um, I was in and out of abusive relationships. And now that I have done a lot of inner healing and inner child work, I understand the reason why I was in so many abusive relationships was because of the re relationship that my parents had with each other. And I thought that that was normal. I grew up a lot hiding in closets um, because there was a lot of violence going on all around me um, and I was scared. And so um, I measured my worth through by the relationship that I was in about how my partner viewed me and treated me, which was usually very poorly. So my views on myself was that I was worthless, that I was deserving of abuse, mental and physical. Um, and I drowned myself in alcohol because I did not know how to deal with whatever was happening around me. And I was miserable. So um, I don't believe I was an alcoholic until I was around 25. I went through a very, very bad breakup. Um, the person I was with was married and had a family. Um, and I did not know. I found out because she had found pictures of me and my number in their son's iPad. Um, and I never really got any closure off of that. And that broke, that just broke me. Um, and so that's when the drinking a whole bottle at night to go to sleep, that's when that started. Um, I could not fall asleep. Um, I would work at night and I would be hungover during the day, drink at work, drink after work. I was always drunk and or hungover um, for the over the last 10 years. Um, and I have multiple DUIs. I've got, I've had four, I believe. Um, and so I was in and out of AA. I attempted a handful of times. Thank you. I, was, I attempted a handful of times to get sober. Um, but I never, it never stuck. Um, and I, I actually got kicked out of AA when I was in Maryland. Um, my third DUI, my fourth DUI out of Maryland, um, I attempted the program, but I did not have the faith and I did not, I was not able to wrap my brain around a higher power. I was raised Mormon. So my relationship with religion um, it was very skewed. So I, I believed myself to be an atheist. Um, and that perspective is, you know, crystal bad, God good. And that was a standard that I could never live up to. So that was just a no for me. And I was a non-believer. Um, and uh, so this time around, when I, um, well, shortly after that, sorry, I, my husband found me at the, uh, he, I was his waitress. And um, this was right before COVID hit. So COVID hit, I was out of a job and I didn't have any money, none of that stuff, right? So the drinking, drinking continued. My other brother who lived with me at the time, um, he 
passed away from COVID in June and COVID happened in like January to March. So two months after that, he passed and I just spiraled. Um, and I literally was drinking like two bottles a day. I would wake up, drink it, go to sleep, wake up and do it again over and over and over again. So it was basically the same thing as when I was working. Um, I just didn't leave the house. And while I was working, you know, I was still making very good money. I was still paying my bills. Um, I was still getting, you know, the accolades. Um, but, and that's why I didn't really think that I had this huge problem because my bills were paid. I had money. I was helping my, my family with money. And when I could, um, and I felt like I had my shit together and, uh, I just, I was so miserable. I lived my life. I had accepted a slow death and I accepted that I didn't deserve beautiful things in life. I accepted that I was a failure. I accepted that, um, I was going to die alone, um, drunk and miserable. Um, and part of it also in 2018, my dad passed. So he still lived in Hawaii. I was out here in Vegas. So I was going back and forth, staying with him for a couple of weeks, coming back here, working and going back and forth. Um, and what I really should have done at that time was I should have moved home to Hawaii. Um, but I could not get out of my selfishness to be the daughter that he needed at that time. And I've still held on to a lot of guilt because of that. So that is stuff that I'm working through right now with my sponsor and also with outside help. Um, and my dad had always just wanted me to get married and have a kid, the whole white picket fence. My dad it was older. So he was part of that older generation where it was, you know, you go to school, you get your degree, you get married, and then you have your family. Um, and I did none of that stuff <laughs> that I was supposed to do. And um, I also have endometriosis. Um, which is uh, a disease that females have like in their reproductive organs. And so I've had a couple surgeries for that. And I um, had to have my fallopian tubes removed. And I was going to the emergency room once a month um, because the pain gets so bad, but I was drinking so much and I knew that it was triggering the pain, but I kept drinking anyway. And it got to the point where, you know, the doctors at the emergency room wouldn't give me any pain medication because they thought that I was just a crackhead trying to get pain meds, um, you know, coming off the street, which is, you know, uh, that happens a lot out here in Vegas. Um, and so I had my fallopian tubes removed. So I could not, I can't conceive children I can carry, but that was a really big failure to me because first of all as a woman that's like one of your main jobs right to reproduce and have children um and I just felt like a complete failure and um so what was the point what was the point of me trying hard to be this good person or have this beautiful life when you know, I had no legacy to leave. I had no one else to love me. I had isolated myself from other people. Um, and so fast forward now to 2021, um, whew, my last drunks were, were bad. You know, I'm a blackout drunk, so I don't remember um, things past a couple hours of, of starting to drink. Um, and my, my husband was the one who caught the brunt of, of my bullshit. And all of a sudden I turned 
from being the person in a relationship who was being abused to me being the abuser. Um, not in like a super physical sense, but, you know, mentally. And I did get physical with him a few times and I'm not, not proud of that, you know? And I didn't understand in my mind how I had come from relationships where um, the reverse, the roles were reversed and um, it scared me. And uh, he, we got married in January of last year and not even a week after that, he had his shit packed in his car, packed in the car, ready to leave me. Um, and we literally, it was like five days after we had gotten married. Um, and that's how bad it was. My last drunk, uh, we're at my girlfriend's house. He was trying to leave. I jumped on top of the car and he tried to pull out and I fell off the car. Don't remember any of this shit though. Woke up with like my, I was so fucked up and I was like, oh my God, what happened to me? And like my, my ankle is still fucked up from that. And, and he was like, you don't remember any of that. Of course he knew I don't remember anything, but, um, the next morning I called the AA hotline. Um, I found every, I found the zoom meeting list and I went to almost every meeting on that list for the first like week. That's all I did was just log on to zoom meetings. I cried the whole entire time. Um, and the love and the welcoming that I received from these strangers baffled me like how could these people have so much love to give when obviously we're all in AA for a reason right we're all fucked up so it's like where how how like I didn't understand um and so this time around I I opened my mind and my heart up to a higher power to the to maybe right maybe there's a higher power um I believed I was an atheist, but I realized now I was more agnostic. Um, so my sponsor, who was the first person that I spoke to that the first day I went, um, she was like, okay, well, can, she said God. And I was like, I don't even want to hear that word. Like, I can't even say that word. Um, and she was like, we'll call him spirit. And I was like, all right, I fucks with that. We can call him spirit. So as time went on and I dove into, you know, the big book and going to meetings every day, I started to develop a relationship with God. And I had such a hard time of it before because of the religion aspect of it. So I'm extremely grateful that I was able to find and cultivate a relationship with God, the universe, my higher power um, in a space that was not religion. Um, and, uh, that really saved me because that faith, that trust, I didn't understand because it's like, I couldn't even trust humans. And then you guys want me to trust this thing that I can't see and I can't touch. Like it, it made no sense to me. Um, but the, the, just the act of surrendering, um, and to me, I used to think that surrendering was like giving up. Right. But it's not. It's surrendering is the releasing of the things that we hold on to. And what I what I came to find is after giving up the alcohol, I was still left with myself. And I didn't have, I mean, I have a drinking problem, but I have a thinking problem. And my thought process about myself the way I talked to my talked to myself, like I had none of the self-worth, self-confidence, self-worth, self-love, self-care, none of that shit. I was an empty shell of a person that was just 
reaching out for anything that I could possibly grab to fill up this void that I had inside of me. And I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I was unhappy and I was miserable and I hated myself. Um, and so finding my relationship with God was opened up this whole new world to me um, of, of trust, of surrender, um, and then also going to these meetings, being honest with other people taught me how to be honest with myself um, because it's the, I'm the easiest person that I can lie to. And then loving on other people and being of service to other people helped to teach me how to love myself. Um, so I've gotten so much out of AA. I've gotten my relationship with God and a higher power. I've gotten spiritual principles. Um, and that is the foundation of which I live my life. Um, but that wasn't enough for me. Um, I needed things broken down even more. So right when I quit drinking, my sister brought an opportunity to me, which was in the network marketing world. Um, and I, at that time, I was just so broken that I was like, sure, whatever, I don't care. I'll try whatever you got. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have money at that time and everything. So um, I dove into that and network marketing has now opened my mind up to a, a whole nother level of who I can be and my capabilities and the belief in myself. Um, and to me, network marketing and recovery are one and the same. You know, um, I get my spiritual principles and my spiritual foundation from AA and then all of the other things, mindset, personal development, um, that I all get from my business and um, the mentorships within my organization. Um, and I would not be where I'm at in my life or in my recovery had it not been for network marketing, because it pushes me every day. It challenges me every day when you're your own boss and you don't have anyone to answer to. Like I'm the best student. Like I will take my notes. I'll do what I'm told, like all that shit. Right. But then it's like, okay, well, you're your own boss. And I'm like, oh shit, what do I do now? You know? And it's just like recovery to me. Like you have to show up, you get to show up for yourself and you get to do the work. If you want the results, you have to do the work. And it's not this big, huge thing, right? We break it down into small steps, like atomic habits. You know, we do little micro shifts and we get 1% better today than we were yesterday. And that is my goal. And that's how I live my life. And um, I used to live in a fear mindset. Um, everything was scarcity. And, and what's kind of interesting that I'm kind of learning right now or seeing um, is with AA, it's very focused on kind of the negative things, right? So it focuses on, you know, our character defects. And um, it's, I mean, I love the steps though, like step 10, I, I take an inventory, I keep my side of the street clean. Um, I, I try not to blame others and I try to look within myself. Um, but as I've been doing more healing and inner healing and the personal development, I can see how AA kind of focuses me on the things that I'm lacking, on the things that I do wrong. And for me to continue to uh, continue on a positive trajectory, I had to switch that. So it's going from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset and understanding that this person that I want to become is not this unattainable, far off person. It's literally who I am right now. 
I just have to step into that. And I feel like where I'm at in my life right now, my mind is catching up to that. Um, I actually just did an inner healing session with my coach where we did a visualization. Um, and in that exercise, she told me to visualize myself. And I visualized myself as seven-year-old me. And at the end of it, she thought it was very interesting because people typically envision themselves as a, who they are now. But I envisioned myself as that seven-year-old girl hiding in the closet because she was scared. Um, and she felt, I just felt abandoned and alone. And that was like a light bulb to me that I had cut myself off from that innocent crystal. Um, and I saw her as like all the good things that I am, that I could be. And I just viewed myself as crystal bad, everything else good. And so what I'm working on now through personal development outside of AA is to really cultivate that and to cultivate, cultivate the belief in myself and the confidence in myself. Um, and confidence is something that I struggle with, you know, like I was nervous to do this and that fear that I have inside of me, anytime I'm fearful of something, I do it because that's where we grow. And that's where we learn is when we're uncomfortable. And once we push those boundaries a little more and a little more, then your world becomes bigger because as an addict alcoholic, we get trapped in our minds. We trapped in our thinking, trapped in the negative stories that we tell ourselves that are literally not true. Um, if you read other books that, I mean, outside of AA, The Power of Now, The Untethered Soul, um, podcasts, Ed Milet, Mel Robbins, Andy Frisella, um, there are so many things out there um, to help with recovery that have nothing to do with being an alcoholic because it's all about mindset. It's all about thinking. It's all about your heart space um, and opening yourself up to what is possible and to choose love over fear. You know, we have, there's two ways that we can operate in life. We can either operate out of fear or we can operate out of love. And so today I just choose to operate out of love in, in, as much as possible. Um, and when I get to a point where I, I'm struggling, I give it to God. I give it to my higher power. And I turn and, and I ask how I can be helpful to the next person to be of service. Um, and those are things that I always take with me. I get from AA and from personal development is to lose yourself in the service of others. And my business gave me the courage to be vulnerable about my recovery story and what I've gone through. And the objective is to reach someone in some way, shape or form, regardless how big or small, but the goal is to be a light for yourself and then to be a light for others. And that's how we change the world. You know, we change the world one, one little thing at a time. And it's, it's beautiful. Life is beautiful. Life is a fucking mess sometimes. And I'm a batshit crazy and I'm trying to keep my shit together. But when it comes down to it, like in my heart and in my mind, I know that as long as I do the next what I believe is the next right thing um, and to step into the call who God has called me to be my passion, my purpose to be of service to others that I, I can't go wrong with that. And as long as I choose love and I put myself out there and I face my fears, I will continue to grow. And now my world went from being this small to I can do anything. I, there is no ceiling. The ceiling is me. And I choose not to hold myself back anymore. I choose to get out of my own way. And through AA, through network marketing, through this podcast, through any resource, um, it's just about finding the light within yourself 
because the law of correspondence, right? Your world outside is reflected from what you feel inside, your relationships with others, what's happening in your life, everything comes from within. Um, so I'm just grateful that I'm in this space right now. Every day is an opportunity to learn and be better and to grow. And I am just so grateful for everything I have in my life. And I'm grateful for you having me here. Thank you so much for letting me share. I hope you guys got something out of this. Um, if you would like, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Crystal Hiroko, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. H-I-R-O-K-O. I would love to connect with you guys. We're all about um, recovering out loud, right? We cover out loud. We recover out loud so no one has to die in silence. And it's a beautiful thing. So I love you guys. Thank you. That was good. Yeah, I definitely got something out of that. Yeah, for yeah, sure. That was amazing. Grow a little bit more every day. Yeah. Know, a little opportunity each day. I agree. Yeah, I agree too. And, and, uh, I, there was a lot in her story that I, I really, I liked. She grew up Mormon. Yeah. You grew up Mormon. I grew up Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> I didn't quite have the same journey with it as she did, but I, I yeah. mean, it's, uh, it's amazing to, to hear how that changed her relationship with God and where she's gotten to yeah. with it now. A little acceptance yeah. with it now. We had a really good conversation after we recorded so thank you for that um it was really fun to to talk about our beliefs and where they come from and and stuff like that it's 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 a good time you know and you know thank you for sharing your story the vulnerability um you know being able to share so openly about some of the issues that you have physically you know health wise the uh and able to to bear children is huge for for women i know mm -hmm. it's not something i always feel like i can talk about as a man but because uh, it's something i don't know anything about but you know being a parent is huge for me and so you opening up about that i know that there's some other women that are looking for a message to understand that it is okay to talk about and to to heal from and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff so thank you for sharing that and just so openly about your drug use uh there's so much in there that i could relate with too uh, you know, starting so young, starting with the old school uh, crank, yeah. the, the whole thing there, becoming a daily user at such a young age. It's crazy. We, and, and we talked a little bit about that afterwards, too. You know, at 14, 15 years old, we're looking at 14, 15 year olds now and we're like, who the fuck was giving us yeah. drugs? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I I really uh, I, I thank you, uh, Crystal, for for sharing. I. I really appreciate you opening up about um, some of the abuse that happened in, yeah. in some of these relationships because I, I do find it interesting and not necessarily surprising just given the nature of um, the illness and, again, our thinking problem. But to hear your journey from going from the abused to the abuser yeah. um, is really kind of... Uh, it, it's different from what we might hear, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think that, you know, our last drunk is always whatever it is. And to hear her talk about hers in such a way where it was like, what is happening? Yeah. You know? Um, I think that we all sort of have that moment of clarity where it's like, what, like you said with your Xanax, you know, like, what am I, what the fuck, what the fuck am I doing? Like, it's how not is what this, I want to be, how is this even a thing? Yeah. You know? 
Um, and I had that moment too. And, and, uh, and I think for sure that there's going to be a lot of people that got a lot out of it. Yeah, for sure. You know, this, this, this journey of being able to share our stories with each other is so huge, um, to find out and really dial in that identity part that I'm so, I'm so fortunate to be on the other side of hell podcast because the stories that you guys share that crystal shared is really what brings this show what it is. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't feel like you and I, I mean, you might, but I don't, I don't f- feel like I have that much knowledge to be able to continue doing this show without the identity and this experience that the people that share their stories so openly on here that, that they give me the ability to do this. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, remind me to continue to grow and to get to see how they grow. You know, one of the things that she brought up was, was uh, network marketing. And I was really interested in that because to be honest, I don't hear a whole lot of like positive things about network marketing. It's kind of like most of the things I hear about it are like, Oh, it's a pyramid scheme or, you know, uh, it's, it's quick money that doesn't work or whatever. But the perspective that Crystal put on it is really helping her and, and to hear her get so excited about what it's doing for her mm-hmm. spiritually, mm-hmm. emotionally, and her thinking, you know, it brought about all of her personal development that she's talking about. And and you guys heard it in her voice, you know, she gets really excited about oh, yeah. her own growth through this and being able to help people uh, grow financially, spiritually, and emotionally through her her company that, Mm -hmm. you know, she didn't say what it was, but you can hit her up on Instagram. She left that. If you want to find out more, all the different ways that people are staying and getting sober and growing is just so amazing. And it's just more resources and insurance for myself. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting too, to remember that, um, you know, that like where this comes from, isn't as important as what it's doing for us. Like, um, the fact that, she has been able to grow the way that she has from whatever she's doing. Like that's, that's what's important. And some of this stuff that she is looking at as a result of, um, of the marketing thing is stuff that we, we would all benefit from looking at. Like, um, you know, we'll get it from different books or, or things that we might read that will encourage us to do some of these things. Um, she's getting it from wh- wherever she's getting it from. And other people might get it from um, a completely different source, even a religion or, or whatever. Like this is these are things that we can do to just continue to grow in a positive way. So that, again, we're sort of better um, at defending that negative thinking when thinking. it comes yeah um, because it has a way it has a way um but yeah i'm just so glad to uh to be here and 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 so grateful that she was able to come on yeah, and talk to you. us um and kind of offer a different perspective yeah so yeah, good um, shit. way cool way 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 good uh way way good episode man <laughs> you think yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. It's good. He, good to be here. And, uh, and yeah, should, yeah. We, should we not now let's be get here? out of here? Should yeah. we not be here now? Let's wrap it. Okay. Well, uh, you will see us again in a couple of weeks. We'll let you know what's going on with us. We want you guys to know how much we appreciate you for supporting the show. 
And uh, remember, we have a back catalog of over 120 episodes. So if you find yourself in need for a fix, check out a previous episode. Lots of good stuff there, guys. And if you have any questions, reach out to us on Instagram at the other side of hell recovery pod. Oh, so wait, other side of hell underscore recovery pod. Or email us at the other side of hell at gmail.com. I am Cameron. And remember, you are worth the world. We'll see you on the other side. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.